Welcome to your Active Tech Brief podcast. My name is Luca Bertuzzi, your technology editor. This week, we try to take a step back and look at the EU digital policy from a broader perspective, where we are at now and where we are going. For an overview on all things digital in the EU, sign up to our free newsletter or visit the website youractive.com. This is your Active's Tech Brief podcast. moments of uncertainty and crisis, technology can support democracy. Securing democratic institutions, increasing transparency and accountability in governments, and protecting and promoting human rights. Google is working with governments, NGOs and experts in Europe to protect citizens and the public space, and have committed $10 billion by 2026 to strengthen cybersecurity. Today I'm joined by Andrea Garcia Rodriguez, a lead digital policy analyst at the European Policy Center. Hi, Andrea. Hi, Luca. How are you? Yeah, thanks for joining us. Um, so uh, you have recently published a report on the midterm of the von der Leyen Commission, and you have the policy lead on digital. Um, what were your main findings in this policy area? So well, that's that's correct. At the EPC, we published um, a short report, which um, we're really proud that it got to be really short, in which we investigated like not only the advances on the different streams of that the Commission proposed, but also we provided a little bit of insights of reflection on what should be the way to go. And as as you mentioned, I took care of of the digital part of priority number two, which uh, the Commission rightfully dubbed a Europe fit for the digital age. Um, I took the lead, and I. And I wrote the part for, for the digital uh, review and for the priority number two of the commission, which was a Europe fit for the digital age. And what I found out is that um, as it happened in previous commissions as well, we have been trying to catch up with digitalization and the challenges that, that it brings. And, um, and I think that that's a right approach. But also my, my proposal in this, in this report was we have still a few years ahead. We should try to learn from the lessons of the challenges that we have seen during these past years and try to shift that approach. Why don't we, the European Union, shift our approach to digital from a catch-up mentality to an anticipatory governance mentality? What do you mean exactly with anticipatory governance? Because, I mean, many people will agree that uh, Europe has been catching up, but how, how can we change approach? Well, I think that the first thing is to acknowledge that while we still have many challenges, and for example, we've seen that right with the with the regulation of digital platforms and with the flagship projects of DSA and DNA, there is still like many more that we're already advertising that we're seeing it coming, but we don't have the resources or we do not put it high enough on the agenda. And I'm specifically referring to emerging techs. I think that uh, by this idea of taking this anticipatory approach what the commission would benefit from is from anticipating even though it sounds redundant right um anticipating the challenges and in that sense there will be like two main benefits the first of all would be that the european union will be able to shape the market before it emerges and therefore that requires in the long term less action to mitigate the risks that have like obviously come because it has like flowed 
um, in that sense, and it has not been in the eye of policymakers for a long time. And then the second big benefit is that not only will be able to shape the market accordingly, but also we'll be able to export that idea as a road. So we've seen that, for example, with AI and the proposal that we have on the table. But to be honest, perhaps it's a little bit late. And that was one of the main criticisms. So my proposal in this paper is not only like to shift mentality, but knowing that we cannot give up on, on catching up on the challenges that we have before. Um, what we need to do, what the European Commission should do, is take digital as a dual approach. What I would call um, a dual digital policy, something that looks back and tries to fill the gaps and something that looks at the future and tries to shape these markets to offer these uh, guidelines before technologies or before the markets are fully developed. It's quite interesting that you said that uh, the AI Act came in too late because there are a lot of people saying that um, AI is, has not reached its full potential yet. It's very difficult to regulate something that is not there yet. Uh, but when you talk about shaping the market, what do you mean exactly? Are we talking about regulation? Are we talking about investment in R&D? Uh, and what is this uh, dual approach? Yes, you can see it in both ways. It, it is perhaps delayed in certain areas, right? Like for example, if we take a different state of, of, of things, um, Speaking about like high risk AI, when outside of the European Union, there's like specific systems that would be banned with the AI Act, such as social credit scoring. It's, they're like fully developed and implemented. Of course, for example, in China, we see that perhaps that prohibition has come too late in the sense that before it gets enforced, technically, you could be able to put that and the technology is out there already. And we have been seeing it implemented in other places. That was the reason I was saying, okay, perhaps it came in too late in certain aspects, but that helps me link with my argument. How can we do this? I think that of course, um, investing in, in research and innovation is one of the key topics, but not only in investing in the sense of putting more money into this. But I think that investments need to come within a strategic framework, and that's exactly what we're lacking. I do research, or one of my of the topics that I like the most is, uh, is in quantum computing. And, um, and we're seeing that if you want to see the EU to take in a strategic approach to quantum, you really need to go to the DG Connect work program 20, until 2024 to see a specific part saying, okay, we may need a quantum strategy. But look at that. I'm speaking about a very specific piece of documents that not many people have in the eye. So uh, that means that it's, it is not a priority in itself, but we have seen many other initiatives re related to this topic of quantum that do confirm that there is like lots of investments in this area. For example, the quantum flagship that had additional investment um, during the first period and, and that it is still like, gaining more traction in that sense. Yes, R&I, it's very important, but we need the strategy behind because resources are really scarce and we know we don't have the time, the manpower, um, the, all the resources that we would like to take care of these challenges. So if we have a strategy and identify the points that are going to be crucial, and I'm not only speaking, of course, of like investment gaps, but I'm also speaking about partnerships and I'm also speaking about uh, what we like to say in Brussels, right? That we need to embed uh, values into technology. We need to develop technology in a democratic, but also responsible way. And we can do this all if we take this initial approach, this anticipatory governance approach that I'm speaking about. It almost seems to me that uh, yours is a critique to the EU industrial strategy because that is 
the framework where there should be this sort of uh, strategic thinking. Um, but in terms of emerging technologies, I mean, we have um, mentioned AI, you have mentioned um, uh, quantum computing. What other areas do you think are missing from, from the picture? So I think that, um, I mean, of course, when we speak about emerging tech, there is, it really depends on, on every person's shopping list. And I think that it really depends on who you ask. There will be like more or less technologies put into the table. But for me, of course, not only quantum computing or communications and sensing and all the other technologies, because we tend to forget that the quantum goes beyond computing, or at least um, when, when we read or when I read, the, the different um, policy documents that the EU Commission has been proposing. I often like that approach, right? But also in terms of like edge computing, also in terms of, of course, artificial intelligence, of, of other new technologies, you can put in the basket anything. But I think that we need to identify which ones are crucial. That's probably another criticism. The EU still lacks till today, which are the crucial technologies that it will need to develop in the future. One, to maintain its, obviously, its, its power market, is market power, but the second of all would be to safeguard its economic and national security. Uh, you also mentioned in your report the need to uh, have a more coordinated approach. Uh, I assume you mean with the with the member states uh, in this regard. So we have seen uh, several types of initiatives, uh, joint undertaking. Do you? What are your lessons learned on the initiatives that are out there and, and where do we need more coordination? Well, I think that the underlying problem of the European Union, LUCA, and one of its biggest strengths as well, is that it is composed of 27 member states that have different priorities, that value things differently, and that have different approaches. And we have seen that with technology many, many times. So you're right. In my report, in the report that we did at the EPC, I, I mentioned that, that when it comes to strategic technologies, coordination is key. And in the report, I gave the example of, of 5G. If we remember, and if we go back um, already four years uh, to 2018, when the 5G controversy came out, we saw that different member states took different approaches to this technology when it comes to, for example, banning the use of, of Chinese technology. And it took the commission a long, long time to decide what to do in this in this regard. And the outcome was the 5G toolbox that we have seen recently that has not been put into place probably the, the way it should have been put into place. So that was that's one example that, that leads me to, to say, okay, of course, in the future, we're gonna have clashing interests when it comes to implementing like emerging techs, but we need to speak about these issues in advance. So not to reach the point we we reached in 2018. So if we have like and you mentioned um, already like many initiatives um, in place, such as the joint undertaking. That's correct. But I think that this debate should also reach the political level in the sense that there should be like more exchanges between different national policymakers, between policymakers and the larger policy community, between academia. So we should like really put into place a multi-stakeholder framework to work on these issues in advance before um, they actually reach the, we actually reach the point in which we need to act, but we don't know that we don't know how. 
And I guess the fact that uh, technology is becoming more and more interlinked with national security really doesn't help that. I mean, member states are uh, notoriously very jealous of uh, sharing uh, or even coordinating uh, at the EU level. So how can we have a more coordinated approach uh, when technology is becoming increasingly political? So I was just speaking today with one of my colleagues at the EPC, um, and uh, we reached that point in the discussion in which um, we realized that there's like certain things that before we were treating as, as emerging, they have become central in all the debates around security. And I'm speaking specifically, uh, or my colleague mentioned this, and I think it was a very, very wise approach to this. He mentioned energy security. Why are we speaking about energy as energy security right now? And why is energy security to some extent embedded in every policy that we do? And especially, I think that the context of the war in Ukraine and, and the context of all these uh, disconnections of Russian gas in, in Europe and the debates that we're having that would link to other policy areas, such as, for example, sustainability and, and, and net zero and all these things that, that we're having here in Europe, that basically shows that there are like certain elements that you cannot treat as independent elements in the whole like, conversation. So, of course, digital is becoming like more embedded into the security debate. It should have always been the case. Because uh, if we think of what it is to come, if I'm not mistaken, I read um, um, a report recently that said that by 2025, and the commission also like published that um, in, in one of, of, of the many like web pages referring to other policy areas, by 2025, there will be 40 billion interconnected devices in the European Union. So, of course, we cannot treat digitalization as a thing, the digital transition as a thing. We need to look at the wider context. So um, my proposal in here is, of course, to treat digital. Why not? Like, let's be thought provoking here as, as, as the whole thing. Like, let's, let's make of digital a digital security approach. In, in that sense, let's try, to, let's try to look at that from different angles. You mentioned before industrial policy. You said you are criticizing the Euro Europe's so industrial policy. Well, perhaps I am because we consider industrial policy as one thing that is independent from the rest. And we are seeing like this, uh, these things like flowing into other policy areas. So we now have the CHIPS Act. Is that industrial policy? Is that like digital policy, right? So, so I think that's the, that's the whole idea of, of this report, of this paper. Let's stop thinking in silos. Let's try to look back, but look at the future. Let's try to make a broader idea, broader conception of, of digital. And yes, let's talk about security as well. It tends to be controversial because of what I mentioned before. 27 states, 27 approaches, 27 agendas with different priorities ranked. But still, I think that we can make use of that and make it, um, and make it our strength, really. I guess that leads to the question as well, if the EU institutions are prepared to tackle such horizontal topics, right? If we look at the internal structure in the Council, in the Commission, uh, in the Parliament, where there is a committee fight on every file now, um, it's not really a holistic approach to these sort of matters. It's more... Uh, Let's say there is part dependency on internal structures uh, that were agreed upon decades ago and that are very difficult to to change. 
Um, but in your report, you also mentioned the fact that uh, the EU should aim to develop more uh, strategic partnerships with like-minded countries. Uh, you mentioned Japan. So, well, if we cannot even agree ourselves, um, how, how can we have such strategic partnership and, and what can we, can we aim to achieve with them? So that's a very interesting question, and I'm going to make a little bit of marketing of what we're doing at the EPC right now. We have a, a series of, of papers cooking, and, and one of them, my paper, that it's um, still at the kitchen in, in the draft, and in, in that it reflects on this specific topic, on the topic, of course, of, of partnerships. I think that um, that given that um, idea that I mentioned before of, of like trying to push um, the Commission's uh, digital policy into a dual digital policy of trying to offer anticipatory governance of new emerging techs, of seeing digital as a wholesome, as digital security that goes beyond digital policy. Um, when we do partnerships, I think that what we need to reflect on is what are we going to get from that partner in that sense that can we afford that if something goes wrong, that we depend, that there is like this issue of interdependency. In other words, when we elaborate partnerships, I think that the European Union, what it should think of is, uh, does it help the EU expand its its power, if we want to say it this way, or does it, um, does it restrict the power of the EU in the long term? So we need to think strategically as well. Yes, I mentioned Japan, because of this digital partnership that was recently signed, and there's like more cooking, right, with South Korea as well. But I think that since we are catching up, we know the gaps and we know who can help us in the world to tackle those issues. Industrial policy again, chips, of course, Japan would be a key player here. South Korea would be a key player here. But shouldn't we reimagine also our alliances with, for example, the US in that sense? We need to acknowledge, of course, that we cannot do everything ourselves in, in, in Europe, that the European Union cannot do everything, that the European Union does not have the ability to catch up and to create muscle, right, in those areas of, of the digital wholesome that, that he needs to, to really like to push further. But, but I think that the underlying question is precisely that. Does the partnership with this specific, specific country would help us in the future to achieve our goals? Or would, if something happens with this partnership, in the end, be less um, beneficial than we expected but also in the sense that it's limiting Europe's power of maneuver. So after all, it goes back to the debate around strategic autonomy, right? Um, <laughs> that's another big topic, Look, I don't want to, to be here forever speaking with you because I'm sure that also the listeners will have other things to do. But I think that, um, that the key message is we need more vision and the only way to move on with this vision, sitting down and knowing what the priorities are and really thinking strategically and just like taking that strategy to all angles of digital so we can really move forward and anticipate future challenges before they come so we can act before instead of like putting all the challenges and all the effort in restructuring everything in mitigating risks when they arrive. Well, since we are uh, talking about the future, I'd like to hear your take on what do you expect uh, from the next commission mandate? I think that the next commission will have a difficult challenge to take. I think that um, the time in which von der Leyen became president of the European Commission is a completely different time in the sense that the world has changed so much in such a little time that I'm not really sure what the point of departure will be. 
But I think that, uh, that I expect the next commission to certainly take these issues more into consideration, to be more strategic, to be more geopolitical, and to certainly see things or like conduct this reimagination re of the whole like, digital policy in a sense that it really does what it needs to do. So I would expect the, the next commission to, to act more strategic when it comes to digital policy and hopefully to take emerging tech more seriously. In all your reasoning, uh, you repeat the word strategic a lot, uh, which is probably one of the most abused uh, terms right now. And I guess the point here is when we say something is strategic, is there really a strategic reasoning behind or are we just, you know, running around from one file to the next? Uh, without keeping in mind the big picture, sometimes even starting new legislation uh, without having the previous one properly implemented or enforced. I think that is the that is the key point, Luca. And um, let's take, for example, the Commission Work Program um, or the priorities that were set in 2019 at the beginning. There is no way in 2019 that you could foresee that at some point the European Commission would propose a CHIPS Act. If you look at the angles of action that the commission proposed for the, its digital policy, it goes around digital skills. It goes around, obviously, um, like value, like value-led digitalization. It, it went around disinformation because 2019, this topic was very, very fresh, right? If we look back. Um, so when I say strategic, I say that we really need to do that because we need to be able to give ourselves some... Um, some space for action, right? I'm not saying that that some of the latest like policy developments in in Europe when it comes to digital have been um, how to say it without it sounding extremely controversial. So I want I want to say there's like lots of nuance, of course, but um, I'm not saying that the policy that the European Commission is doing when it comes to digital is improvised. It is not, but with certain topics such as the Chips Act, it is it is it is the it is the product of the geopolitical moment we're living in. So when I'm when I'm saying we need anticipatory governance, what I'm trying to say is that the European Union must avoid precisely that. So we need to be able to know where our policy is taking us, and that and that is I think the underlying vision of why we need digital to enter like the very strategic debate that's why we need strategies in like the different technologies that's why we need like a vision to be able to know where do we pour our resources and to avoid this idea of okay perhaps in two years we will have like a completely different landscape and policies that are more reactive than proactive and perhaps we should change that approach right we should be more proactive and on that note, I would like to thank uh, Andrea Garcia Rodriguez, uh, Lead Digital Policy Analyst at the European Policy Center. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you, Luca. That's all we got time for this week. Don't forget to sign up to our free Tech Brief newsletter to stay on top of tech news and digital policy developments in the EU and beyond. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, published on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Amazon Music. This episode was produced with the technical help of Abby Curie. I'm Luca Bertuzzi, and thank you for listening. Okay.